You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got my good friend, Gray Williams, with me today. We're Canada's number one tech radio program. Kind of inspiring you about the world of technology, from smart homes to social media, smartphones, and everything uh, in between. On today's program, a lot of cool things to uh, chat about. Uh, we will uh, be talking about Ray-Ban and Facebook and smart classes. Ray-Ban and Facebook uh, partnered uh, together on Stories Smart Glasses. How well have they done? Well, we've got some numbers for you, and uh, I think you'll be interested to uh, hear how many people actually use them. Also, Google is making it easier to find and remove personal info and explicit images from search. I think this is important and something that everyone should know about and know how to do. We'll uh, be going through some of the details uh, on that. And we'll be uh, talking about technology for back to school and how you can actually save money. You know, a lot of people are, are trying to cut back a little bit, save a few dollars. We'll, we'll be talking to the folks at London Drugs on uh, some tips for that. Great. Let's talk about some of the, uh, the tech stories uh, out there this week. GM has confirmed $130,000 Cadillac Escalade IQ, which is uh, their EV version of the uh, Escalade. That's 130000 US, by the way. Um, I love I love the Escalades, but that is a lot of money. Yeah, it's a fifty-five inch screen on the inside of this thing. Is that right? A fifty-inch pillar-to-pillar infotainment screen. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, I've seen some of the pictures here. I'm hoping I get to test one <laughs> test one of these. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting. They say they're also going to drop Apple CarPlay and Android Auto in all vehicles. Really? Yeah. Uh, including you know, including this latest one. I, I, th- I think I understand why. Because when I look at the interface of Android Auto and CarPlay, I don't get the same feeling that I get when I look at a Cadillac. No? As, and it's, it's just, I don't know what Apple and Google are going to have to do to get their software to a point where it's going to feel like a luxury car software. Yeah. Uh, now, here's the thing. It's way more effective like they in car entertainment systems in my opinion are some of the worst design things on the planet yeah but and, and this i mean that's why people are clamoring for android auto and and for, for carplay because it's just that much more functional yeah but imagine if you've got a 50 inch pillar to pillar screen uh, where is the carplay interface or the android in, auto interface going on that i think they're looking at companies like tesla that have their own operating system in their cars and it's so tightly integrated do you know, do you know what i mean yeah as I mean, as opposed to apple carplay and android auto don't get me wrong they've done an amazing thing for these infotainment systems inside cars because most car manufacturers suck at cre- yeah. creating that so they have really revolutionized and improved that but at the same time it's not a great integration because it can't control everything in the car I mean, I've got BMW iDrive, and that can't control everything in the car. So. It kind of feels like a bolt-on, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's... <laughs> well, we'll have wow. to see what GM does with their, their, their next-generation cars. Like, are they going to be able to, to make that happen in a good way or not? Uh, interesting story here. A Canadian woman in BC says she's gotten over 50 Amazon packages she didn't order. So this, this might sound like great I love that, free stuff. But she keeps getting custom bills 
because these packages have to clear custom. So it's custom bill for over $300. So this actually is probably one of my number one pet peeve issues right now. I just got a package in from the UK. It was a $200 package. You know how much uh, Federal Express is trying to charge me to clear customs? 125 bucks. What? $50 of which is a customs clearance fee. The $10 fee is now $50. And then they're doing no additional work. There's something wrong with our customs clearing process here in Canada where you can get a package and somebody that you don't know at a shipping company that you didn't ask is clearing it and charging you 50 bucks for a service that you don't need. The, honestly, border services in here in Canada needs to make it easy for ordinary human beings to clear their packages. This woman right here is literally just the, the most visible symptom. We've all had that package show up. That's been We've been charged way too much for a fee, not not the GST and PST, a fee for UPS to click a button. It's insane. Well, apparently she's reached out to Amazon and uh, they are looking at uh, correcting this. Uh, something similar happened uh, with someone down in the U.S. Sonos, the, the music speaker company, sent $15,000 worth of products in 30 shipments to this guy. Like an apartment. He lived in an apartment. So Sonos initially tried to charge him for the speakers. Ooh and only offered a refund if they sent them back. Uh, but apparently the FTC rules down there say, if you never have to pay for things you didn't order. Ooh. I need to, get, I need to move into an apartment like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm little, still stewing about those customs fees. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. Uh, this is another interesting one. Uh, President Biden signs an executive order restricting investment in Chinese tech companies. So this order targets semiconductors, quantum computing, and artificial intelligence. So U.S. again trying to really squeeze, crack down on Chinese technology firms. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it makes sense. You know, <laughs> I all you have to say is Nortel. And I think we can all kind of look at it and go, yeah, no, I... <laughs> Yeah, it's probably a good idea to pace yourself in that market. I guess they're, you know, what they're saying is uh, they are going after these these types of things uh, for security concerns. Uh, the, the I guess the order won't take effect until twenty twenty four, but they are going after these things that pose significant national security risks in their in their eyes. Yeah, I mean, quantum computing is the big one. Because it will take any encryption that is not quantum encrypted, and suddenly that is plain text. We're going to be in a very different world if we don't have quantum encryption um, and able, able to make up for those mistakes. So I wonder how much is national security and how much is killing their competition. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There has to be some element of that. I, you know, Here's the thing, though. Killing the competition could also be seen as a national security thing. Uh, the American advantage maintaining that, that may be something that they see as an issue of national defense. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Okay. We're going to uh, give a shout out to our contest again, giving away an Epson Epic Vision laser projector. This thing is amazing. It's got uh, Android TV built into it. Plus, it uh, as part of our contest, we're also giving away an Epson EcoTank printer. This is a super tank printer. It's got enough ink to print thousands of pages. It'll last you for a couple of years for, for most normal people. And we have a secret word, but you're going to have to stay tuned for the rest of the show where we will give you that secret word to uh, get you some extra entries. Getconnectedmedia.com. 
is where you go. And there's a link right on the front page. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking with the folks over at London Drugs. They are going to tell us how to save some money on back-to-school tech. This is going to be a great segment. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams. We're going to talk back to school now. I think uh, a lot of uh, parents and students are probably not wanting to think about it, but it's happening over the next uh, few weeks. And a big part of that is technology. Got to have things like laptops and, and what have you to make school work nowadays, but it gets expensive. Well, I have a great guest uh, with us. His name is Jeff Townsend. He is with uh, London Drugs, and uh, they're a great place to go for all things technology and computers and uh, laptops. I've been going there for many years uh, myself, and what I do like about them is they know what they're talking about. When you go in there, these these guys and and uh, and women are on top of on top of it and really know their stuff. I want to thank you for coming on the program, Jeff. Oh, great! Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you having me. Uh, interesting uh, study or survey by uh, Deloitte uh, basically says uh, of the parents they surveyed, uh, parents are expecting to spend uh, at least 10% less per child on back-to-school shopping. And 34% are postponing non-essential back-to-school purchases due to financial fatigue. This is is a a challenge, I think, for a lot of parents out there. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, some of what we've seen uh, is just that trend towards uh, trying to economize and save and, and work with what you've got. Um, so, you know, we're we're adapting and, and doing what we can to help support our customers where they need it the most. Well, you've got some things going on at London Drugs uh, that I thought were very interesting that could uh, potentially help uh, parents and, and families save a bit of money. Uh, let's just uh, go through some of them. Uh, there's one uh, called Trade-In to Upgrade. What is this all about? Yeah, we we've got a trade-in program that we've done for years around photography, and this year we've extended it to Apple products. So if a if a customer has an old Apple MacBook or an iPad uh, or even an iPhone, and they want to trade it in towards a new computer, uh, they have the ability to now do that. So what they do is they just bring in their old uh, their old device, uh, have one of our store staff take a look at it. They'll evaluate it and uh, give you a value that you can use towards a, a brand new product. This is great because I, I got to be honest, I think I have a drawer full of old Apple <laughs> iPads and, <laughs> and, and, and stuff. Like how old can, can they go back? I guess it has to be within a few years. Eh? Yeah, we'll, we'll go back a couple of generations, but what you can do is uh, any device can be brought into the store. We'll evaluate it. They'll look at it. And if it, if it's too old for us to be able to restore and resell, we'll, what we'll do is uh, we'll let you know right up front that, uh, that it just no longer has any real trade value. Um, but we're happy, to, we're happy to take a look at any of the Apple products that you want to bring in. Why not, eh? I mean, if you can save a few bucks on uh, purchasing a, a new unit, why wouldn't you want to bring it in and, and, and get that uh, checked out? Uh, this next one, I, I really uh, appreciate. Uh, it's uh, called Work With What You've Got. How does that all work? Well, work with what you got is the notion of uh, our, uh, you know, we've got service technicians in every store. And some of, uh, some of the most underutilized services that we see is people uh, updating uh, or not uh, getting their computer updated or refreshed because we have the ability to just go in and, you know, take the chassis apart, clean it up, give it a nice, uh, you know, make it look like new on the inside, but also go in and di- do the diagnos- diagnosis to make sure that it's actually working and functioning properly. Um, and we can support that in any of our stores. Uh, and our technicians will do a great job of 
getting that old computer up and running at its best so that you don't have to worry about replacing it this school year. I, you know, and I recommend that to a lot of folks out there. You might have uh, an old computer or a laptop that's uh, getting a bit slower, but there's some really kind of simple things uh, you can do. You know, of course, you'd want to get it checked out by experts, but even by increasing uh, the RAM or, or getting a new hard drive uh, for it can really breathe some extra life into some of the older gear. Oh, absolutely. It's, a, it's, it's just one of those things that uh, it's well worth looking at, you know, every school year, or every year that you uh, got your computer. You know, the other thing is you know, we see a lot of students want to have that new really cool thing. And, you know, sometimes the savings that you can get by doing this will allow you to get them a brand new mouse or uh, a new case to make it look like new again. And they just they don't feel like they've got the same old computer year after year. How long are laptops good for nowadays? Like, what, what's kind of the lifespan, do you feel? It, it really depends on usage, but I, I, I think most people are getting anywhere from three to five years out of a laptop. As we go through, as um, particularly with students, as they're going through the different uh, cycles of education, sometimes more power is needed, uh, sometimes uh, being able to have a, a higher capacity to be able to do more functions. Uh, depending on what grade they're in, uh, will really influence how long that laptop's going to last um, and what they, they get to begin with. So if you start with a, a, a really basic system, you'll probably be upgrading it every few years. But if you go with a little higher-end laptop, it may actually last you the uh, you know five or six years and get you all the way through uh, school. I think you hit on a really important point. Uh, you know, back in, back in the day, you know, especially when I was starting my business, um, we bought the cheapest laptops out there. We bought like these $300 laptops at the time. We thought, oh, we are saving money. Uh, you know, Jeff, we did not save money. <laughs> like those things. No. no. Honestly, within like a year and a half, they just, they were like sputtering and just couldn't do anything with them. So you kind of get what you pay for. You know, I, I know like, for example, you know, the, you know, look at a lot of the Apple gear and yeah, it, it's up there in price, but I tell you, I've got some old uh, MacBooks that are, you know, five, six years old, and they're still going. Yeah, it's impressive, especially when you when you realize that, uh, you know, the just just doing the basics and doing the maintenance on the system and keeping it and supporting it will help it last a, lo- a lot longer. But having a good foundation is so important. Okay, this next one is uh, refurbished laptops. What, what, what's that all about? Well, our buyers uh, go out and look for opportunities to find savings for our customers. So we we work with our vendors on their refurbished programs. So there's uh, inventory that comes available that is uh, factory refurbished and is just a really great way of saving some money on a little bit higher end uh, laptop or computer that comes in at a, a lower lower price. So, you know, typically what you would find is you'll get upgraded features for a lot lower price. Something that's more of a, an entry-level laptop would have a, a hard, higher RAM memory or a larger hard drive or a faster processor. Um, and we're just able to get those through uh, through our suppliers as uh, refurbished units. So it does sa- it provide some savings for the customers. What about people that are concerned that it is like a... Um, you know, a used computer or a refurbished computer, like, you know, how long will this thing last? There was obviously a problem with it to begin with. That's why they had to refurbish it. Yeah, quite often when product is cycled through these factory refurbished, uh, um, the process of, of refurbishing a computer, you generally will get 
a, a really good computer and the warranty is no different than if you're buying brand new. So uh, I've actually found over the years when with our refurbished laptops is they're as good or better than new in a lot of cases because uh, all of the extra workmanship's been gone through and it definitely comes out of the box working. So typically they'd still have a decent warranty on them. They, they have the same warranty that you would get with new in most cases. So you'll get a full one-year warranty with the laptop, just like you would with a brand new one. Yeah, no, I, you know, we've bought uh, refurbished stuff in the past, tech, and I, you know, I'm just thinking back. I, I haven't had any issues with any of the refurbished stuff I have. And I guess if you go through a reputable place like London Drugs, uh, you know, obviously you guys are going to stand behind that stuff. Absolutely, we stand by it 100. percent Talking to Jeff Townsend uh, about ways that you can potentially save a a little bit of money on your tech for back to school. Jeff, uh, as always, a pleasure having you folks on the show. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you having me, Mike. Thank you very much. Don't forget to hit uh, our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got a great contest going on, giving away an Epson EcoTank ET2800 inkjet printer this thing is amazing it's got enough ink to print thousands of uh, pages so almost like two years of ink that come uh, in it right out of the box and when you need to refill it it is uh, pretty inexpensive and an epic vision laser projector this thing is amazing it's got built-in android tv so you can uh, watch all your favorite streaming services uh, and do some gaming as well and it's great it's like a small cube so this thing will go anywhere whether it's at home or even in a dorm room uh, as well for uh, some back to school fun Okay, we've got a lot uh, coming up here on the uh, program uh, still. Uh, Again, uh, we're all about technology. We've uh, got a story about Ray-Ban and Facebook. Their glasses, they've got these smart glasses. How many people actually use them when they bought them? And Google's making it easier to find and remove personal information from its search engine. We'll tell you how that all works. Back after this. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Got my good friend Carmi Levy on the line. Thanks for uh, joining us on the show today, Carmi. It could be with you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Wanted to chat about Google now. That's uh, one of the most popular search engines uh, out uh, for us. Uh, use it uh, basically 100 times uh, a day. But uh, they have a, a new tool now that uh, allows you to kind of erase yourself. Is that is that true? Yeah, it's uh, it's called Results About You. And they, actually, they introduced it last year. And basically what it does is it allows you to know what is out there on you. So in other words, is your private personal information out there on the internet? Does Google know about it? Uh, and if so, uh, would you like to like to have it removed? And so results about you was introduced last year, made it relatively easy to do that. The problem was it you, know, you had to know that it was there. It wasn't in front of you. And very few people took advantage of it because it was kind of buried in the settings and uh, you know it just wasn't easily accessible. So what they've done now is they've taken that and they've they've built a new dashboard that will proactively tell you, hey, Google found something about you. It found your username and your password out there on the internet. Do you want it removed? It found other private information that could be used against you in a cyber attack, a ransomware attack. Do you want it removed? Um, And so it's turned it from something that you have to know know that it's there and you have to know how to use it because it isn't that, that easy to use to now it's going to tap you on the shoulder and, and make it dead simple, easy, couple of button clicks, and it will actually go ahead and remove it for you. So it'll make life a lot safer for us online because we know that when all this critically personal information is leaked outside onto the open internet, that's when cyber criminals get a hold of it 
and start using it for attacks against us. If Google finds it, we'll now have the tools to remove it, which then gives cyber criminals one less way to come after us. So is this going to allow me to completely erase myself or is it just kind of like passwords and me? Yeah, it's really, they call it uh, uh, private and personal information or PPI or PII, depending on who you talk to. And so um, it's it's not everything. If you want to completely disappear from the internet, this is not the tool for you. It's really just the types of data about you that have been used in cyber attacks in the past, the kind of stuff that can get you into trouble if it's out there, if you've lost control of it. Uh, in the past, we didn't have any ability to to get rid of it. We didn't we didn't know that it was there. We we couldn't get rid of it even if we did know it was there. Now we're starting to get these tools, and Google is putting them into place. That's the good news. The bad news here is is that for now it is U.S. only. So they're introducing it to Americans for now, um, and they're going to learn from the experience. They're going to tweak it. They'll update it. They'll fix when it, whatever bugs they find. And then once they've had that initial kind of pilot pro program, they will then expand this dashboard out globally. So it is coming to Canada, just not yet. From what I understand, too, this would help people uh, get rid of explicit images of, of themselves, too. Yes, because, and, and we know full well. I mean, you know, we live in the age of explicit content, incredibly easy to be captured. And then once it's captured, incredibly easy to be shared. Uh, and so one of the, the tools, they call it safe search. And, and what it'll do is if an explicit piece of content shows up in your search results, it will blur it by default so that you, your family members, your children won't have to see it. But at the same time, it will also identify this content in the dashboard if it thinks that it's related to you in some way. So if perhaps you are at a high school or university party that got out of hand and content was was shot, video, photos, anything like that, imagery that is shared that is somehow linked to you, you will also be notified through this and you will have an opportunity to have it removed. Again, it's a nice thing to have. It's better than what we had before, which was basically it's out there too bad. Um, but at the same time, let's we need to recognize this is not all encompassing. I wouldn't trust Google to find everything that's out there on me. So if we think that this is going to magically scrub the internet of private information or compromising photos of us, it'll help. It probably won't get rid of everything. So the, you know, the best line of defense still is try not to let it get out there in the first place. Is this like uh, for the, the photos and video, is this like an automatic thing or it's something you flag or they flag and then, uh, then it has to go for their review? Uh, they will flag it uh, and then let you know. And then within the dashboard, you will have the opportunities to interact with it and take care of it in ways that make sense to you. So this isn't automatic in the background. It still requires you to a uh, you know, respond to a prompt and make a conscious decision about what you want done next, um, which you know, again is, is it perfect? No, because we've already seen that so many people just can't even be bothered to deal with private data. Uh, they almost, they're, you know, they, they take a very laissez-faire approach. Oh, it's already out there. So, you know, what can I do about it? Um, and they, they assume that they don't have all that much control over it. And so I think we need to start adjusting our own behaviors, our own culture uh, to be privacy first um, and to recognize that, you know, we do have the ability to kind of steer ourselves online in terms of what is out there, uh, who has access to it and under what circumstances. Um, and start owning it in much the same way that we own 
uh, you know, our financial digital safety, we should own the other aspects of our digital safety too. Uh, will this work for any photos or is it just explicit photos and, and who determines that? They're saying explicit for now, but again, all of this is based on algorithms. So, uh, you know, perhaps the algorithm will not capture some photos. So there may be explicit imagery out there that is not captured because the algorithm just doesn't recognize it. This is all powered by artificial intelligence or uh, there may be false positives. So there may just be a, a regular photo that for whatever reason, the algorithm uh, thinks that it's explicit. So you're going to have cases where stuff is going to be entirely missed, as well as images that probably shouldn't be captured or flagged are in fact being captured and flagged. So again, this is, you know, it's 2023. So the technology is still in its fairly early days. It's still not perfect. Uh, but at the same time, it's better than what we had before, which was nothing. So at least we're starting to get better tools that allow us to control what is out there on us. And that if there is anything out there on us, that we have an opportunity to dial it back a little bit. So, you know, a helpful tool, uh, but at the same time, it's it's like having a rake to clean, you know, the, the, the dirt off of the beach. It's a really big beach. There's a heck of a lot of dirt out there. There's a lot of ground to cover. We're never going to get that beach completely clean. So if I have a bad hair day, for example, uh, and there's some photos out there of me, I, I'm not going to be able to get rid of them. Well, and, uh, and as I stare into my webcam right now, I realize I'm having a bad hair day and this is probably going to be out there for, for, you know, an eternity. And I'm perfectly okay with that. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's every time we turn on a camera, every time we, we take a selfie, every time we share something on social media, we really have to ask ourselves that question. Do I want it out there? Do I want it in someone else's hands? And if the answer is no, uh, then, you know, we really should be asking ourselves if we should be sharing it in the first place. So, as wonderful as all of these tools are, uh, you know, at, it's at the point of capture and sharing that we really need to intervene. Let's not wait for it to get it before we have to rely on tools like this to, to stay safe and stay private online. Well, it's kind of tough though, Carmi, because, you know, a lot of the tools we're using now, uh, you know, I don't think we read the user agreements and we, uh, you know, install the software. It, it doesn't Zoom uh, now use our calls uh, to train their AI. Yeah, Zoom very quietly updated their terms of use, which as you which no one bothers to read because we're all in such a rush to install it. Uh, and uh, and there's been this hue and cry out on the open internet with people who call that dirty pool. And I agree with them. When I first signed up for Zoom, those terms of use didn't say anything about AI, didn't say anything about my conversations, my meetings, my work um, with my colleagues and stakeholders becoming part of their AI training process. And I realize that AI is a fairly recent thing um, and a lot of companies are updating their policies around it, but it's dirty cool to just by default turn it on uh, and basically tell the you know millions of users who are using Zoom, well, sorry, that's just the way things work in this day and age. So I think Zoom is rightly being um, you know, you know, somewhat taken to task for this change. But I think it's a reminder for all of us that for all of the tools that we use, we really do owe it to ourselves to look at those terms of use. And if we're not comfortable with them, to make a decision, uh, whatever that decision may be. We've been talking with Carmi Levy about uh, Google's uh, new, well, semi-new uh, uh, tool that uh, allows you uh, to uh, erase uh, certain uh, parts of uh, your history and explicit images uh, as well. I want to thank you for joining us uh, on the program, Carmi. Wonderful being here, Mike. Thank you. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk smart glasses. Uh, Ray-Ban and Facebook teamed up a little while ago to create the, the Ray-Ban Stories uh, glasses. 
how well did they do? Well, uh, they sold a few hundred thousand, but are people still using them? Stay tuned to find out. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and Gray here in studio. Contest again. Go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Giving away an Epson EcoTank printer. This thing is amazing. It's called their ET2800 Wireless Color All-in-One Super Tank Printer. This thing is fantastic. You don't have to worry about ink cartridges anymore. It's uh, filled. You fill it up with two years of ink. It, it comes with this right in the box. And you can print in color without having to worry. Do you remember, you know, as a as a kid printing out color on your inkjet printer, your parents would lose their minds, <laughs> right? Because, you know, your yeah. college education fund's going down every print you make. But uh, with these EcoTank, SuperTank printers, that's a thing of the past. So that's one prize. The other one, really cool Epson portable printer. It's their Epson Epic Vision Mini EF12 Smart Portable Laser Projector. This thing is beautiful. It's uh, it's like this tiny box, but it just has the most amazing video quality, and it's a smart projector as well. It's running Android TV, so this can fit anywhere, even in uh, like a dorm room. You just project right on the wall. Nice. You don't have to worry about like a TV, because you yeah. know a lot of students like to have a TV in their dorm room. So instead of you know lugging that to your college campus, setting that up and lugging it back when you you leave, this little projector is easy to kick around okay there is a secret word secret word this week is shack s-h-a-q that'll get you extra entries get connectedmedia.com want to chat a little bit about uh, smart glasses gray we haven't really arrived there yet with smart glasses that can do anything useful i had some focals by north they were a company that Intel had uh, invested in. They had like this tiny little heads-up display that would come up in one of the lenses. I, I had to go to Toronto to get fitted for these things. Well, the nice thing is that they put my prescription in. Okay. And it had to be tied to your, wirelessly, of course, uh, to your smartphone. But it could give you directions and, you know, it. you could work with a voice assistant as well. But they they folded the whole thing. Oh, huh. Sadly. Do you remember when um, Snap first released their smart glasses? Oh, people were going crazy. They they had these special vending machines where you could buy them. So they were like these little sunglass type glasses that had a camera built in so that you could kind of Snapchat with your friends, you know, the messaging app. Yeah, and the pictures were okay quality. The glasses were of a just absolutely hideous design. Like, people could see it coming a mile away. You had snap glasses on your face. It was evident. So, so the latest, and I covered this on our, our show. I, I showed them on Global TV as well. Ray-Ban partnered with Facebook to create Stories smart glasses. So these things, not cheap, a few hundred bucks. They had a, um, a Snapdragon chip on it. For processing, they had two five megapixel front facing cameras for snapping pictures or video and speakers for listening to audio. That was probably the best part of them. Yeah. And so you could just get them as regular glasses or they could be sunglasses. Yeah. It was, it's the Wayfarer body style. So, like a, a, a classic look, right? Like Risky Business, Tom Cruise. It's got, it's a good looking pair of Ray Bans. So, according to a Wall Street Journal article, uh, Facebook sold 
300,000 of these glasses. Ah. It's a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. They, they started out around 300 US, and I think they're around 200 US now. But so, get this, less than 10% of them are in use. So they, they, there are only 27,000 monthly active users of it, of these glasses. That's crazy. It is a like, little bit, right? Because I mean, ultimately, they're either a pair of glasses or a pair of sunglasses. Yeah. They do that as a base feature. <laughs> and so for folks not to, maybe it's just they're not charging them. But I, from what I was hearing as well, like the voice assistant was not particularly good. And this is sort of one of those things where, you know, overall look and feel looks good, but there's jank under the hood. I mean, they they, they look cool. They look like Ray-Bans. So you didn't look crazy wearing them, which is always my kind of test for this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, am I going to look like a an android or some crazy future tech guy wearing these glasses? Um, no, but that's all they. I mean, they tied directly into Facebook. You you could take pictures and and videos that you could then post on on Facebook. So you'd have to really be into Facebook, which then begs the question: like, who are they going after, Gray? Obviously. You know, with these the style here, I think they're trying to go after a younger market. But you and I both know that it's kind of more the older generation now that are using Facebook kind of more frequently. Yeah. So, so are they going to buy these glasses? Probably not. Yeah. And was the whole <laughs> was it Facebook and, and Ray Ban's hope that you know these glasses would light the world on fire and and all these young people would want to get them? It, I love the idea, but is it still a creepy thing to have glasses that are taking pictures and video? Yeah. I mean, you think back to Google Glass, right? What, what did we call those folks back then? Can we say that on air? I think we can. Glass holes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being at CES and see, like, you know, they're kind of doing the like look up to the right thing. But yeah, they look like cyborgs. And people would clear out of the way when they would see somebody coming because they didn't want to get into a picture. And I get that. Like, it does feel like you're taking over someone's space when you, we know you're recording, right? And people don't have the opportunity to consent to that. So there's there, something's got to give here, you know? Uh, maybe it is that the next generation of smart glasses, unless someone has opted in, maybe it's using digital fingerprinting to remove them from any shot. That's doable. But we're still a ways away from these glasses becoming truly smart glasses. I know... Apple, they, they have their mixed reality. They call it, don't they call it more of a headset? Spatial computing headset. Yeah. yeah. So not really glasses. And I don't know if you'd walk around with these things in public. Do you know what I mean? No. It looks like futuristic ski goggles. Yeah. Essentially. You're going to spatial compute in your space, but you're probably not taking it to the ball. I mean, I, I do see a future with smart contact lenses. That makes sense to me. Yes. You know, yeah. I don't know how they're going to be powered. I know they're working on that. And I think they've actually done tests where they can power um, contact lenses, these smart contact lenses. Yeah. Like wirelessly sending them power, which is kind of like magic to me. I could see that working. Like if you had smart contact lenses and, you know, have like kind of a heads up display on them, giving you directions or identifying people that are coming towards you. I mean, yeah. that's, I think that's a little ways down the road, don't you? But that's, that's exactly what I want out of it, right? You know, if I want to take a picture, I'll actually use a device that's designed to take a picture. But image recognition, 
recognition of people, places, and things, yeah. Inline directions, absolutely. Having something where I can bring up an email and reference it without having to pull up my phone, yeah. But I mean, if it's a ways off, then it's a ways off before I would be using any of this stuff. I I still think we're like twenty years away from that type of technology. I could be wrong, but I I have not yet seen any type of uh, or any incarnation of smart glasses that are usable by by regular people, even nerds like those those um, focals by North glasses that I had. I try I I tried really hard because they had my prescription and everything in them to use them for two weeks and it just it it was difficult do you know what i mean like it just didn't really feel like it kind of wove in with my regular life and people would always ask me what are you wearing (laughs) because you know the the armbands are you know a lot thicker because they had to have a battery and you know computer chips and stuff inside them and a projector i I, I I almost hear um uh, is it tim gunn you know, the, the fashion, you know, well, I don't really know what we're doing here, but it's not working for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give a shout out to the contest one more time. Giving away an Epson EcoTank printer and an Epic Vision Epson Smart Laser Projector. This thing is beautiful. Great in a home, office, dorm room. These prizes, uh, you know, worth uh, almost a, a couple thousand dollars. And if you want extra entries, uh, you can go to our website getconnectedmedia.com. It's free to enter. There's a few little things you can do to get extra entries, including the secret word of the week. It's Shaq. S-H-A-Q. Don't forget to listen to our sister show as well. It's called The App Show. It's all about the world of apps and mobile technology. Uh, On tomorrow's show, App Show is on uh, the Course Radio Network every Sunday, we're going to be talking about the Pentagon. They're funding a study on using AI to detect antisocial behavior by scanning people's text messages. Yeah. Does that freak you out? Yeah, it kind of freaks me out. We'll also talk about what to do with your old smartphone. A lot of people I know, they've got old smartphones kicking around in drawers. Well, there's a a few kind of hacks that we're going to tell you about to, to get a little more extra life out of them. And we'll be talking about the world of streaming. Disney Plus is uh, hiking their prices in Canada and a lot of other countries. And they've announced a new ad-supported version here in Canada. So we're going to give you the details and kind of where streaming is going. I want to thank Gray and all the rest of the folks that helped put the show together. We'll see you again next time.